Now, we're in the middle of a combat zone, so we'll have to do the quick version. Marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today. Marriage, that blessed arrangement, that dream within a dream. Just say it. Please. Man and wife. <laughs> Dirty Hooers. Cross-Atlantic nitpicking about Doctor Who. From four grown adults who should probably know better. From four grown adults who should probably be working. We're not afraid to say it like it is. All the word bollocks. www.dirtywhoers.com Follow us on Twitter at Dirty Hooers. If you like that kind of thing. Also on Facebook. Deal with it. Geronimo! Fantastic. L on C. Cock. With your hosts. Number one assistant. Terry Lightfoot. Oolon Stutters Stutner. Resident Pixie. Fuchsia Begonia. Lord President Sam. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are again, the Dirty Horse Doctor Who podcast. This time we are going to be reviewing The Wedding of River Song, directed by Jeremy Webb, obviously written by the Moffat, and prior to that, Closing Time, directed by Stephen Hughes and written by Gareth Roberts, starring James Corden. <laughs> if you can believe that James Corden can be a star. We have a guest. We have the lovely Nancy from, what podcast are you from, Nancy? From the Happiness Patrol. From the Happiness Patrol. I'm really sorry. I only listen to Cybertech. Yeah, this is why we don't let him talk to the talent normally. It's true. They keep <laughs> That's okay. on my own. Okay. Slide flat food under the door. Maybe oh, somebody yeah, ought to explain the rating system to Nancy and I'm not doing it. <laughs> Our rating system is based on how much you would pay a whore for enjoyment. <laughs> It sounds even worse than usual. Now, come on, it's not just any horror. It's specifically a 70s prostitute or gigolo. Right. So if yes. episode okay. you were watching were a 70s prostitute or gigolo, how much you would give that 70s prostitute or gigolo for the time that you spent watching the episode? Now, you're allowed to add certain things and you're allowed to take certain things away. And the, and the scale goes from the worst of the worst, the absolute detritus, which we call the free BJ, all the way up to the $50 presidential Marilyn Monroe special, right up there at the top. In between, we've got five. We've got the 10, we've got the 20, and then it's up there with the 50. Clear as mud? Yeah. So does mine have the mustache and the perm? If that's what you want. If you want See, Tom we had Selleck, a- you can have Tom Selleck. We had to specify gigolo because up until we actually added that to the rating system, Terry just believed it was Paul McGann for all male enjoyment. So. <laughs> 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 Let's start with closing time. Yeah. Five. Terry? If there's a 10, I'll give it a 10, but if there isn't, I'll yes. give it a There's a 10, a 20, and a 50. <laughs> okay. A $10. All up for that. Send. <laughs> 20. All right. Nancy? Could I give it a 15? Oh, you can't. You can give it a 10, <laughs> like buying chocolates on nice underwear. I guess I'll go with a 20. Mm. It's a hesitant 20. Mm. Hesitant. You're make you pay the cab fare home. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say, I'm stuck there in the middle as well. I'm stuck there between 10 and 20. But Sen has given me more confidence because I'd rather agree with Sen. Oh. Can I change mine to free BJ to bring the average rating down then? No. (laughs) No. Well, then I need to give 
minor tip. Okay, so we are coming to closing time. We're coming towards the end of the series. So one would think that this would be a rounding off of the series, ready to get in there and actually sort things out for the wedding of River Song, which is a crap title, by the way, and we'll be looking at that in a second. But really, it was almost totally a standalone. To be honest, I quite like the use of the Cybermats. Quite like the idea of there being a ship under there. It felt like it had been done. Maybe it had been done in a comic book or something. I don't know. I like the fact that it had lots of humans in it who were all a little bit chavvy and a bit stupid. hate the fact that the Doctor can talk to babies. It makes my flesh mm. fucking crawl. I've got an explanation for that. He's lying. Dog He's just lie. having fun. There you go. And isn't that nice that we've got that now? Oh, the Doctor lies. Are you? No, no, it's bloody oh, dreadful. Oh, oh. It's absolutely <laughs> bloody awful. I'm sorry, but it's just an excuse for sodding lazy writing. You really think this season's had lazy writing? Yeah. I think it's had lazy plotting, yes, yeah. that they are now using the Doctor yeah. Lies to paper over all the cracks. No, I think the Doctor Lies is an essential part of this and has been this season specifically to show that he's more human. Yeah. You don't like it when he's human. No, I don't like it when you say, I'm half human. But I do like it when he's got a human element to him. Yes, I do. I like it when he's fallible. I like my doctor to be a bit shit. Well, I, yeah. know, I like my doctor to drive around in fast antique cars, have a <laughs> blonde bouffant well, yeah. for the yeah. But in this instant, I like him to be a bit more fallible. And I really feel that next season we're going to get that. I mean, on the whole, it did kind of leave me a bit empty. But there again, they turned it all around in the last five minutes for me because they set up the next one. I kind of liked the setup from the second he picked up those blue envelopes and I didn't see it coming. I thought it was the kid in the astronaut outfit but no it was that version of river and that messed me up and it was a good enough and big enough surprise for me for me to give it a hesitant mm-hmm. 20. my 20 i think is probably based on the cybermats because i <laughs> just thought that was very cool that they brought back the cybermats <laughs> you know i liked craig a lot better in this one than i did mm-hmm. in the lodger mm-hmm. i was not a big fan of the lodger but i thought this was just a nicer use of craig and his assistantship <laughs> his chubby uniqueness he was more into it he was better this time around yeah i was okay with the doctor talking to the baby. I didn't mind that. And I just loved Stormageddon. I thought that was cute. I agree with Fuchsia about the wallpapering over the cracks in the plots. That's been driving me nuts this entire series. See, someone agrees with me. Mm -hmm. You can come on again. We'll see about that. (laughs) (laughs) Give me some examples of this wallpapering. Not you, Fuchsia. We've heard enough for you. I want to hear Nancy. She's far nicer. It's hand-wavy. Oh, there was this, 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 this. I'm a firm believer in the Chekhov's gun thing, that you have to see the gun in Act 1 that's going to be used in Act 3. You know, I've got to go back and watch everything all over again to see if they did mention the gun in every case, but I think there is a lot of that oh, wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, oh, the doctor lies. It's just kind of a blanket. I forgot to tie up this end and now I have to fix it. I think it's much broader than that. The way the BBC deal with narrative structure and the way these things are written, they're written in such a broad way that there is no excuse for mistakes like that and in the back of my head that's why I don't believe those mistakes are there I guess I hear what you're saying what do you mean I believe that that structure's there because I've seen the way they do it and I've seen the way they create series I've seen the processes it goes through okay he's not Russell T when it comes to being an overall producer on something and I believe Moffat's good enough that he's got it nailed and there have been things that Uh he seeded pretty damn well way 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 in advance Yeah. I hate this goddamn selector thing I mean Jesus Christ it's just well we'll get onto that for the next one we're not there Uh, we're not there yeah, we haven't arrived. Well, I agree. There are some things that have definitely been seated, but then there's just a mass of details that are maybe they're just red herrings. I don't know. It, it amazes me that you guys feel clean bothered mm. about this when we've got the whole unit dating thing and stuff like that. It's things that are just so massively fracked 
up compared to this. It staggers me you're even bothered, guys, seriously. Well, at this yeah, point, we could just laugh about unit dating. Yeah, because there was no proper writer's Bible then. You'd think they'd be a bit more coherent these days. Um, you think there's a proper writer's Bible now? That doesn't just live mm. in the Moffat's bottom drawer. I'd hope to God there would be. There was at um, one point whether Moffat decided to stick with it. There was a writer's Bible during RTD's era. <laughs> like sorry, he used it. The comparison to what was going on during RTD's era, it's just night and day. For these small inconsistencies to be happening, it's nothing compared to the wonderful small. exactitude and plot okay. laying out okay. that has been going on. I mean, the plots are logical and make sense, and there's a lot of foreshadowing Not entirely. of elements. Come on, Fuchsia. Terry, what's the silence? They're still going into that, though. Are they a religious order? Are they the aliens? Why did it go silent in Venice? How did the silence drive the Saturnine off their planet when nobody can remember seeing them after they've seen them? It doesn't matter. They're the silence. Yeah, you look away from them, does. you can't. There's your smoking gun. So they how did the Saturnine the know that the silence drove them out if you forget them as soon as you look away from them? Yeah, well, well, and if the Doctor got rid of all of them in 1969, then why are they still in, a problem? On Earth. They but, were everywhere else in the universe, though. They're still on Earth, Oh, Ooh. fuck it. It's not real and it's for kids. Jesus <laughs> Christ, guys. <laughs> I win! <laughs> no! It's not real and it's for kids. There. That was a fucked up timeline, too. Ah, you know, uh, reset button. Yeah. Hey. Reset button. <laughs> Which episode are we on? I know. Get back to closing time. We're jumping the gun here. Whose go is it then for closing time? Fuchsia, you'll go. If this had appeared at any other point in the series, I probably would have treated it a bit more kindly than a five. But it was the penultimate episode. And it didn't feel like a penultimate episode. It felt like something that should have appeared three or four episodes earlier. It was one of the banking episodes when they haven't got Amy and Rory around because they've gone off to do something else. And it was just such a clutched together plot. Sputter said he thought he'd seen it somewhere before. Yeah, you did. It was the second online game with the Cybermen. Oh, it's crashed mm-hmm. under something and it's buried. And the whole, oh, yeah. we killed the Cybermen with love. <laughs> that I hated. <laughs> well, actually, just... technically it wasn't love. It was a chemical imbalance. Really, if you look back to Troughton in The Invasion, it's the same principle. But in The Invasion, it all makes fucking sense. And there's a build up to it. It would have been better if it had just been about Craig and the kids. If it had been a character development story. The Cybermen felt very much shoehorned in. I hated the way they clutched on the last five minutes because it belonged to something completely different. Why couldn't we have had the penultimate episode actually being about River and various other things leading up to that point rather than, oh shit, we've got to do this before next week. Quick, boom, something on the end before somebody realises. It just felt a mess and that's why it's only getting a five. I don't have a problem with the penultimate episode being a little bit tacked on. I don't disagree with you, Fuchsia, yet I don't have a problem with it. I'm becoming convinced that Doctor Who does not handle really integrated story arcs well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I think this season we saw a really well-written story arc, much better than last season's, I think. And yeah. yet it still feels like in the arc-heavy episodes, the story arc plot is taking away from that standalone episodes plot and I think that's a large portion of why most of us here feel like the plots have been Swiss cheese this season because Muffet can't find the time in one episode
episode to deal with two plots at once. And I kind of like it that we didn't have this immensely huge buildup to the most drastic thing that's ever happened in the Doctor's life and the universe is going to end again and come back again and there's this huge buildup and it's impossible for the season enders to live up to the hype Mm -hmm. that they've been getting in the previous seasons. And I'm really glad that there wasn't a lot of hype. He knows the end is coming, but you know the Doctor. You know there's something brewing in his head and how he wants to get around it. But he just has a romp. And it's not this self-indulgent, arrogant, prissy diva romp that Tennant's Doctor had. It's, you know what? (laughs) I want to go back, sit down, have a drink with a mate. A guy that I had a good time with a while back. I think this will be a fun way to end this. Hmm. And then go watch fireworks. They've taken the Doctor back away from the cowardly Doctor. Tennant turned into a coward. It's like, oh my god, I've got to regenerate. Ah, That has never happened before that, and hopefully will never happen again. And now we have the Doctor who's, well, I'm going to die, so I better make the best of it. He's facing it. Let's look at the differences here. (laughs) Celery Boy, who we love to rip on, holds off his regeneration (laughs) so that he can save the life of his companion Mm -hmm. and sacrifices Mm -hmm. himself. And we rightfully rip on him. And Tennant's Doctor, you know what? Fuck saving the universe, companions, their families. I'm just going to go on a self-indulgent tour and vacation for a while. And and that isn't what Smith just did? Yeah. Here's the thing. First of all, they handle it very differently. He just decided to go hang out. And he also didn't think he was going to regenerate. He thought this was really it, that he was going to die. And it didn't come across as being so arrogant. He didn't want to get involved. He just literally wanted to drop by and say hi. I don't know. It felt different. Maybe it was just Matt Smith. I don't see Matt Smith ever coming across as arrogant, no matter how the character Mm -hmm. is written. He just doesn't seem to have He was also, let's not forget, on his way to do beautiful things. He was on his way to see things that he'd not seen, constellations and things like that. And he got distracted because the stupid fucking humans were in trouble again. All right. Okay. (laughs) One last time I'm going to help you guys. One last time. I know for logistic reasons why it could never have been Sarah Jane, but really, Craig would be the last person on Earth he'd go to visit before he went off the fucking last on my list. And anyway, (laughs) technically wasn't. Technically the brig was. I didn't think the visit to Craig was completely random because we found out shortly after the lodger about the silence's involvement and everything. And there's still part of me that thinks that's Miss Doctor went back to check on stuff. Screw this, I don't want to get involved thing. It was basically a good story, but they trivialized the Cybermen, which I really resented. The way they eliminated the Cybermen in the story was a copy of the invasion with Patrick Troughton. They can't handle emotional input. There's not copies. There's not plagiarism. It's a homage when you've done 700 odd episodes. For Christ's sake. Mm -hmm. Right. It's a homage to that story, but instead of being scary, he the way they, the Cybermen are treated is humiliating, it's belittling, it's trivializing them. They're not scary, really, at any point. I agree, yes, emotion can buck up the Cybermen, because I've seen that before, but in this case, they tried to say it was just love. Okay, whatever, love is an emotion, fine. But love, or any emotion, is not going to unweld the fucking Cybermen metal mask. That was pure crap. Uh, on the other <laughs> hand, there were lots of other really fun 
one things the baby and his supposed translation of what the baby was saying. That was great. That, that's that funny. Was in fact, funny. one of my yeah, quotes was, is right out of that. I liked when he's thinking about going through the glass, and for a second I thought about the eighth doctor going through that window oh, yeah. in Grace's house, you know? And All I thought, right. You know, I immediately flashed to that, and then I thought, no, 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 you can't do that. How many times <laughs> a day do you flash yeah. to an image of the eighth doctor? <laughs> <laughs> Every day, Ulan. Every day. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. She does. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. So it had potential to be a great story, but it just went stupid yeah. when they got to the part with the Cybermen. And yes, I agree. The ending was a little too tacked on. I've seen that in other shows, but why didn't they just tack it on to the next episode and make it a longer show? They wanted to do that cliffhanger thing, I guess. I did like it but it was in the wrong spot. Do we have quotes? I, I, I didn't even bother looking. I haven't even watched this twice. I couldn't be bothered. I'm even drinking yeah. gin tonight. I liked, no, you can't just call him not mum. And Craig goes, not mum. And he goes, that's you. Also not mum, that's me. And everyone else is peasants. And he goes, that's a bit of <laughs> <laughs> But to be honest, it was hard to come up with that because there weren't mm. actually a lot of good one-liners. I liked the exchange between Craig and Sophie at the beginning. They're bantering back and forth and you don't need to number food and i think their relationship is very unrealistically comic and yet very real at the same time i really actually kind of like the way that humans in general were displayed in this episode we were written as being very heroic and resourceful and yet really gossipy and petty and that pretty much sums us up i think i do know relatively new mums who have left full instruction booklets for their husbands when they've gone off for the first time and left <laughs> yes. them with the baby so that is actually true uh, yeah. no i know <laughs> I did like the little part where they did a flashback to, is it the three doctors? Where one of the doctors says, oh, you've redecorated. I don't like it. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's great. Yes. Robot dog. Not as much fun as I remember. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> yep. Okay, folks. So let's move on to the next one quickly. Wedding. Oh, God. The Wedding of Ruth's song. Shit. <laughs> All right. Ten. Yeah. I'm torn between a ten and a twenty. I guess I'll give it a twenty, but they have to pay their own transport. Ten, and he's got to get his own cab fare. Yeah. yeah. You see, I didn't think there was too much stuff in it, because it was the end of episode, and at least it wasn't arty deer, where he just crammed it through everything else. But it did seem like there was a lot of stuff that was just superfluous. Like the entire <laughs> timeline. The M.C. Escher, Einstein's dream timeline. Yeah. I didn't mind them being there. They just use them really badly. There was Winston Churchill being used badly again. It was like a party trick. Oh, yeah. look what I can do with all these timelines all swooshed together. There's mm. Charles Dickens on the news. I, I like, like that. That was cute. I like yeah. what he says because it explains this whole universe in one sentence. The ghosts of the past, present, and future all in one. I think it was a spectacular idea on paper. And in a rare Muffet flub, it didn't translate onto screen well. This just didn't leap up off the page and turn out to be a fantastic science fiction concept like it probably looked like it would be while it was being written down. I guess I'll cut Muffet some slack in that area over RTD because I see it as the complete opposite of what we saw in the first few season finales where we saw very, very weak plots that were all based on emotion and character hopefully carrying it to a dramatic climax. And I think Muffet's turned out to be the other way around. He reached pretty high for a unique 
sci-fi concept, which uh-huh. was really cool if you think about it. I mean, that's the kind of thing mm-hmm. that I could see us sitting yeah. around in Second Life and going, ooh, what if this? <laughs> and we'd all think it would be really cool. And then you actually see it turned into a 45-minute episode and you go, you know what? That was sort of shit. When we first saw it happening, I'm like, oh, I always thought that whole fixed point in time thing was a really stupid idea to start with because what would happen if you really did change it? That just didn't work or, for me. Or the way they decided to illustrate it was stupid. You know Churchill what? is Caesar and talks to Cleopatra and there's Romans for soldiers. I can see a bunch of the writers sitting around with Muffet leading the meeting going, oh, it would be so cool if a fixed point in time broke down. All of time would be jammed together. And that just seems like such a fantastic idea. And then you actually try and film it and go, oh. Ooh. I've read it in a Doctor Who book, and it was way better in the book. But I think that's because in your mind's eye, you don't see specific scenes. You don't have to labor the shit out of it in your mind's eye. You don't have to hammer it home like a nail into a Doctor Who coffin. Yeah. (laughs) That's a premise that needs to stay in print and not go to screen. And I think this particular $10 whore should have turned out better than it did. I don't know. I'm hoping for better underwear. I think there was something premature going on here. It was really promising from the start. It's what I've said about the last few episodes. Unfortunately, it was all for a coat and no knickers. It looked very pretty, but what was under that coat was not worth paying for. I think there's a difference here, yeah. though, Fuchsia. You know that I've agreed with you in the past about the plots being really Swiss cheese and about oh. not being realized well. I think this one was the opposite. I think this was a fantastic plot and a great concept that just wasn't realized well, which is really the yeah. opposite of how I felt with most of the rest of the season. I loved one thing in this, and that was the turning point, the one where he's refusing to go to Lake Silencio and then he has that conversation with the Brigadier's nurse. Mm. Oh. That's the only reason this didn't get a free BJ, is that Best. part of the program. But the point is that he used the death of an actor in real life, but that's so personal to every Doctor Who fan. He used that as the key that switches the Doctor and makes him accept his own fate. Despite a lot of flippant and beautiful dialogue to the nurse, that was the switch. And that mm. was fucking beautiful. It made up for not dedicating an episode to Nicholas Courtney, which a lot of us noticed. It was awesome. It was the scene of the show. It was the most memorable moment of the whole episode. Technically, it's the turning point of the whole series. Imagine you were afraid and a long way from home in terrible pain just when you thought it couldn't get worse. You looked up and saw the face of devil himself. Hello, darling. Hush now, I need some information from your data core. Everything the Daleks know about the silence. Is my plunger flashing? I just thought it was a mess. 
And I know a lot of people have said, go back and watch it again, because the first time I saw it, I thought it was a mess. And then after that, the second time I liked it better. And the third time I thought it was brilliant. (laughs) Wait a minute. You shouldn't have to watch an episode Uh more than once to get basic enjoyment out of it. I want to enjoy it the first time. And then if I want to go back and watch it again later to get deeper meaning or pick up the little Uh details and go, oh, wow, that was really fantastic. Then that's great. I'm doing my yearly rewatch at the moment. I've got a lot of stuff on the iPad and I'm watching a couple of episodes here and there in the bath of the classic series. I'm at the time when very early on when I started watching Doctor Who 71, 72 around there. I mean, okay, I've seen them a lot, but I don't remember being confused by them. This would have just blown my goddamn god. There's no way I don't know what the hell was going on. I think it's very telling that my children are not begging to rewatch these episodes. Mm. Ah. Mm. They did during the RTD era. It's like, let's watch Utopia again. That was so cool. They want yeah, to go yeah. back and watch that stuff. I say, oh, you know, I really should watch that again because I'm recording the podcast. And they're like, oh, can we watch Merlin? Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. flashy, timey-wimey, beautiful plots, but they're not emotionally gripping. Can I just say one thing I really hope for in the future? I really hope we get some new companions because I think Amy <sighs> is really boring. I like Rory, uh, but I think Amy is you. dull as dishwater. Yes. Thank and you. I would love to have a season ending episode where they don't have to hit a big reset button mm-hmm. and where they aren't trying to God. outdo every other season ending episode. Something simple. Thank you. The companion goes home. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. the place. Dr. Uh, drives off to the sunset. Goodbye with a tear in his eye. I would be so yeah, happy. I would mm-hmm. too. Moffat and his little friends have sat around going, wouldn't it be a cool idea if, and then they've just written something without actually thinking through where it's going. So there hasn't been a great deal of coherent plotting. And then they've backed themselves into corners that they could only get out of by chucking everything including the kitchen sink at it this is the horrible feeling I've had most of this series you know it's a bit kind of like when the Dalek turned up it was nice to see Nick Briggs back in work again at least it wasn't as bad as they have been in the past but it was just such an awful mess soon as the Tesselector turned up it was oh dear god no here we go that's the get out I mean kind of hoping it was going to be the Flesh Doctor because they'd seem to have spent so much time and effort going on and on and on about the Flesh and laying in the comment in the one with the kid and the doll's house about oh well here we are all in the flesh nudge nudge wink wink I didn't even get that yeah, I must yeah so it's, cool. uh, it was just all over the place it really really was it talked big but delivered little and yeah I really do hope that we see the back of Amy and Rory now the one decent thing in it really other than the Brigadier tribute was the bit where Amy just went you know what Kavarian you nicked my kid and you turned her into an assassin I don't give a stuff what happens to you in fact I'm going to kill you <laughs> because that's what she should have been like of all the yeah. things in the girl who waited Amy had a brilliant reason to hate the doctor and it was the fact that she'd lost her daughter because of him not that he disappeared and spent ages trying to find her and come back to a planet because of him she'd lost her only chance to raise that little girl yeah. now there's a good reason yeah. to hate someone oh all of a sudden they remember it in the final episode and it was just nice to see them actually acknowledge that fact but other than that it was toss oh hey there's one minor thing I forgot because we love us some Time Lord geekiness we get to see a Time Lord wedding ceremony 
Do we? I think we get to see a very rushed jump in the brain. Well, we get the time lord equivalent of showing up to the justice of the peace, which still does have the essential elements in it. And there were some things in that brief little thing that we saw that I really liked. I really liked how he based it on ancient pagan wedding ceremonies on Earth. It was very, very old feeling, which I thought was pretty cool. It was great that he used his bow tie, too. It's superfluous. Why did he have to marry her to get her to kiss him? Thank you. I was wondering that myself. I don't know. So they could justify the title. So he could justify what happens in Silence in the Library. Everything's relative. And this finale didn't make me want to renounce old knowledge of the show and commit suicide like it did with Russell T. Davies' finales. But I did find it to be a little anticlimactic and very briefly told. And I feel that about all of them. They feel like they're missing scenes. Like Nancy said, there's no emotional connection. There's a wonderfully written, flashy plot, but all the story arc episodes feel like they're summaries of a story. I really agree with you, Terry, because my favorite episodes this season have been the standalones. Mm. And there's been some really damn good ones. Awesome standalones. And why I should feel better about those episodes than the spectacular story arc episodes. You should be excited about those episodes, but they're... uh... Yeah. The actual climax slash orgasm of the story was when River kills the doctor in episode three of the story arc. Let's kill Hitler. Then you get this episode, and really, it's the anticlimax. I'm sorry if that's her climax. She's counting ceiling tiles. <laughs> <laughs> We all knew what was going to happen. It didn't surprise you. I think it was a mistake to separate Let's Kill Hitler from the wedding of River Song. I think it kills the flow of the story. And what happens is what has happened to us. You have all these other episodes and then suddenly you see the ending of Let's Kill Hitler, which is the doctor dies. There wasn't the something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. That was so clever. None of us had seen that one coming. Yeah, that's nice. And I know we all wanted that this season and it just didn't happen. Fuck it, it's not my doctor, I don't care anymore. There's the occasional nod for me and things like that, and I carry on watching it because I'm an old school fan. But what disturbs me is what Nancy said, because yeah. Nancy's kids didn't really enjoy this. Kids should be loving yeah. this. Yeah. They should be loving it as much as I did yeah. when I was a kid, and that does worry me. I think Moffat is an excellent writer, but he's being way too clever for his own good, and he's not giving the characters enough time to breathe and enough time for us to feel for them. Yes. I think what has been a four-episode arc should have been a six, and there should have been more in-depth exploration of those scenes and what was going on with those people. Not just this happened and then that happened. Come on. He didn't fall out of a speeding spaceship, fall through a glass ceiling, plummet 100 feet, slam into the floor and then crack Mm -hmm. on the ship. So really, is it that bad? That's what I was saying. Everything's relative and I'm not totally disgusted with Journey's End or whatever that was called. I wanted to fucking cut my wrists and renounce any knowledge of the show. You guys seem like you're kind of down on RTD. I like RTD before for the gap year. I think he was a much stronger yeah. writer. Yeah. yeah. Do we say right. like we're down on RTD? Oh. <laughs> it's just you... those finales that he would throw in that had absolutely no logic. Terry, it's not just the finales. It's all the episodes during the RTD era that RTD wrote. Have you guys read his book? I got two thirds through it and I decided this is a bunch of wanking off. I can't go on. <laughs> you know, I was a writing student. I majored in creative writing in college. So it was interesting reading it with my writer hat on because he's saying that he thinks about the plots all the time. He's always thinking about it, but he doesn't write it down to the last minute. And
And then he has to come up with an ending at the last minute. And that's where he failed. Wow, yeah. shit. It's yeah. just but like it's the not, second life role. Kind of like, like, yeah. <laughs> he's writing all the time. I don't think he has the procrastination thing. He thinks it and he puts it on paper and it hasn't stewed for very long. So I think that's the big contrast between the two of them. I would love it if they collaborated on an episode. I think it'd actually be really nice. I mean, fucking blank. The Doctor dances. They did collaborate. They were absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. RTD says he doesn't really touch Moffat's scripts much, but uh, I think he probably did on those two. (laughs) Or at least influenced. I'm sure they had conversations. Anyone got any quotes? Bagsy going first. I'm going to go with Doctor, I'm so sorry. We didn't know how to contact you. I'm afraid Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart passed away a few months ago. It was very peaceful. Talked a lot about you, if that was any comfort. Always made us pour an extra brandy in case you came round one of these days. And that's probably my favorite line of this series. Even hearing you read that, Ulan, I practically tear up. I was an absolute wreck during that scene. Just a blubbering buffoon. Oh, my God. I cried instantly. Does anyone have a better line than that? No. No. I've got a related line. I've got a time machine. For me, time never stops. Time has never laid a glove on me. And then Mm -hmm. he gets the call. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of hope that the whole reason that they all end up with eye patches is because of the Nick Courtney story about Inferno. (laughs) I really, really hope that's why they all end up with eye patches. That's our next one to watch. I loved Inferno. Inferno. Usual seasonal list of going through the Pertwee's and Bakers. Pretty fun. Yeah, it's all right, but I don't yeah. said it's so no, it doesn't. I've said Zombie. it so many times. It's fucking six episodes or eight episodes, isn't it? It's a beast, isn't it? And yet War Games is ten, <laughs> it feels like two. Okay, let's round this piece of shit off because I'm sure Nancy's got a life and the rest of us need to go and get really drunk. Nancy <laughs> is from the Happiness Patrol. Hello to the guys at Happiness Patrol and hello to everyone else out there. Hello to everyone who's been dropping stuff Hi. on the Facebook page and talking to us on Twitter and being generally nice and not too offensive. Plenty of good laughs being had on a daily basis over on the Facebook page so do join us if you can I believe the next one according to the Wheel of Who is Dinosaur Invasion Invasion of Dinosaurs so that's what we're going to be reviewing next we will be taking our own sweet motherfucking time about that and for those people who've said they wish that we could get podcasts out faster so that we were more reactive to the episodes that were on television tough shit go and listen to another fucking podcast (laughs) (laughs) oh that's a nice segue can I tell people where to find the Happiness Patrol? Do, do tell people where to find the Happiness Patrol, because these guys actually give a shit. They actually do their podcast on time. It's awesome. So you can find us at thehappinesspatrol.blogspot.com That's thehappinesspatrol.blogspot.com Splendid. Ladies and gentlemen, we have been the Dirty Hoers plus Nancy. We will see you again soon, you poor misguided fools. Bye-bye. Bye. Later. Oh, you've all got to have the last word, haven't you? Yes. You've been listening to... The Dirty Hooers Doctor Who Podcast. Follow us on iTunes or at DirtyHooers.com. Find us on Twitter at Dirty Hooers. Oh, yeah. We're also on Facebook. See you next time. Wine, very nice. Right, so we have the lovely Nancy with us. Uh, What? Yes, drinks, alcohol. Go get your... Oh, Oh, that's why I went to the kitchen. I forgot. (laughs) Dear Lord.